Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 630 with Catherine Crowley. If you have a difficult boss, if you've had some time off, you're not looking forward to re-engaging the boss. Catherine's got some pro tips on what to do when your boss is holding you back, how to work with someone you're not so thrilled to be working with. So you'll learn one, what to do when your boss gets under your skin, two, the 20 bad boss behaviors that drive employees nuts, and three, the most important thing you can do when you're managing up. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to albums we've referenced, you can drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP630. If you're listening to this in January 2021, this episode should be ad-free. I did that for you because there are many new listeners historically in January, New Year's resolutions or whatnot, that self-improvement mojo going on. So I want to be as welcoming as possible. And I'm going to give a rundown of a couple bonus resources new listeners you might not yet know about. So if you've listened to hundreds of episodes, feel free to skip a couple minutes, or maybe I'm going to tell you something that you don't know about. So hey, new listeners, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. I might suggest that if you're just getting started, a great way to get oriented is to check out episode zero, start here, and then episodes A, B, C, D, E, F, which are some samplers of the types of issues that we talk about. The show, in short, is about sharpening the universal skills required to flourish at work. We go into some detail about what that means and the categories we cover there. If you're having a hard time finding episode zero in A, B, C, D, E, F, you might need to push subscribe in your app player because they're so far back it doesn't display all episodes to non-subscribers or simply click sort old to new inside Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Overcast or whatever you're listening to and then you can find those. They're at the very beginning of the feed as though it's like an introduction in a book. So episode zero and A, B, C, D, E, F before episode one can give you a great overview feel for the show. And, and that's a whole lot of fun. Next up, I recommend the gold nugget summaries. If you're not able to listen to every episode and, and most listeners don't, that's cool. They pick and choose the ones that work best for them. The gold nugget summaries can be a great way to read the wisdom of each guest within an uh, email that takes about two, three, four minutes to read. And you can sign up for that at the website, awesomeatyourjob.com. Those gold nuggets. With those, you get the email as each episode unveils, releases, drops, if you will, as well as access to the vault of all of the summaries from all 630 guests. So that's pretty cool. Called the gold nuggets. Also on the website, because every episode has been transcribed by a human, you can search the full text transcripts of everything to try and find the most applicable episode to your current issue or situation. Whatever you're dealing with, we may well, in our 630 episodes, done something to hook you up with some useful wisdom and insight. So look at the magnifying glass, search full text, all the transcripts. That's pretty handy. As well as we have categories of every episode, we tag them by a topic, a subtopic, and then a competency covered. And so you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash podcast. And you'll see the drop down under the podcast menu, recent episodes by topic, competency, every gold nugget and getting started. Those could get you nicely oriented. So that is the scoop. Welcome new listeners. And now here's the scoop on Catherine. 
Catherine Crowley is a Harvard-trained psychotherapist and career consultant. She helps individuals identify and tackle psychological and interpersonal obstacles to success. She assists with career assessment, developing a personal vision, improving interpersonal skills, and creating work-life balance. Catherine is also the co-founder of K-Squared Enterprises, a management consulting firm dedicated to helping individuals and companies accomplish their business objectives while navigating the psychological challenges of working with others. She's the co-host of the podcast, My Crazy Office, which is a weekly workplace podcast dedicated to helping listeners navigate their careers. Big thanks to Catherine for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Catherine. Catherine, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hi, it's so fun to be with you. Well, I'm excited to dig into your wisdom. And you've also got your own podcast called My Crazy Office. Could you tell us perhaps one of the craziest office stories you've ever heard? Oh, my gosh. Well, actually, interesting. One of my most strange experiences was when I was working for a business owner and she was running two businesses at the same time. And so my entire workday consisted of finding notes passed under the door of the office that I worked in in her home and fulfilling whatever the task was that was required, having no idea what the output was, you know, what the outcome of my work was actually creating and rarely seeing her except once or twice every couple of weeks. So that was a strange, that's what we would call an absentee boss situation. But it was just so strange because I was living in this world where I didn't really fully understand what was going on. Okay. Well, so you have logged a whole host of such boss behaviors and you've got a great title in your book, Working for You Isn't Working for Me, How to Get Ahead When Your Boss Holds You Back. So tell us, what's the big idea behind the book? Well, actually, what's interesting is that book, Working for You Isn't Working for Me, came out of the first book we wrote, Working With You Is Killing Me, which was actually more about peer-to-peer, managing up, managing down. And when that book came out, it was a national, international bestseller because it spoke to the pain of so many people. But the one thing that everyone told us, because we, uh, Kathy Elster and I traveled all over the country giving talks and workshops about how to handle difficult people at work, and every lecture, someone would come up and say, you don't understand, it's my boss. That's different this person can fire me or, you know, demote me. And so we realized that we needed to write a book specifically about dealing with the boss because what we learned was that people don't quit jobs, they actually quit bosses. So working for you isn't working for me was about coming to terms with if you have a difficult boss, how do you manage them rather than waiting for them to manage you? 
Ooh, well, there's so much to dig into here. So let's start with your four-step program for dealing with difficult bosses. Can you lay out those four steps and give us some examples of them in action? Absolutely. And the interesting thing is there's, um, from the working with you is killing me, there's a four-step of unhooking. And we applied a similar thing to the working for you isn't working for me. So I'm going to talk about the unhooking process because I think it's very effective if you can do it. So the four steps are that you unhook physically, you unhook mentally, you unhook verbally, and you unhook with a business tool. And that means nothing except that the first thing you have to realize is that you're hooked. So you know that a boss is getting under your skin if you find that you're having physical, emotional, mental reactions every time you interact with this person. And so if you notice that you're, you get a headache, that your stomach feels tight, that your shoulders hurt, that you have a hard time breathing, that you feel exacerbated after every meeting, you then can establish that you are hooked. Once you establish that, then you can start to unhook. And the unhooking physically part, let's, so let's imagine the favorite tough boss, which is the micromanager, the super controlling oversees everything you do and doesn't let you make any decisions on your own. If you had that kind of a boss, what you could do to unhook physically would be that you might at the day's end work out or go for a run or go for a walk. You could splash water in your face. You could go for a drive. You could do something physically that helps you release the toxic energy that you may generate by having to deal with this person day in and day out. So that's unhooking physically. Then unhooking mentally has to do with kind of talking yourself off the ledge. So let's say that this is very common. Micromanaging boss insists that you report on every single thing that you do and everything your team does. And you find that to be just offensive. Unhooking mentally after you've cooled your system down by physically unhooking would be to ask yourself some important questions like what's happening here? What are the facts of the situation? What's their part? What's my part? And what are my options? So going back to the micromanager, what's happening? This person is insisting that I give reports on a daily basis about what everyone's doing and it's ridiculous. What are the facts? My boss is requiring this of me and it's part of my job. What's their part? So maybe they're super controlling. They don't trust anything we do. It drives me crazy. That's the fun question to ask, answer. But then what's my part? And in this case, it could be that my part is that I'm taking their behavior personally, that I'm assuming that this person only doesn't trust me and that it's all about not respecting my work ethic. So then your options are with a micromanaging boss. You could continue to resent them. That's always, you're allowed to do that. You could quit. You could badmouth this person and tell everyone how horrible they are and hope that they quit. Or you could say, okay, I'm working with someone who needs control. And so what would happen if I just follow their request and see if I can establish trust with this person? So that would be, that's where you could get to by mentally unhooking. Next, unhooking verbally is saying something to move the situation forward. So with this boss, there's high road and low road verbal communication. Low road would be, I can't believe we have to write these stupid reports. Don't you think we can do our jobs? High road could be, I understand that you're concerned that we're all on the same page. So let's try this out and meet in a month and see if it really works as a system. And then unhooking with the business tool is to pick from some 
kind of thing, whether it's a procedure, a policy, a document to complete the transaction. And so in this case, you could say, you could send a follow-up email and say, I understand that we're going to be doing this reporting system for a period of time. Look forward to tracking it and seeing if it really works for you and open to feedback along the way. And so now you've taken yourself from the hooked part where you're furious, you can't stand the person and you are in a power struggle with them, which is usually what happens with bosses that we don't like, we get in power struggles, to calming your system down, finding viable solutions and moving the situation forward. And so the business tool piece here, that was just sort of an email or are there different business tools? Tell us, what do you mean by that? In this case, it's an email. So business tools, what we'd say about those is those are, they're actually, they're always with you. You know, they take the emotion out of a situation because so often what happens with bosses and coworkers who drive us crazy is we take them personally, right? So business tools, anything that clarifies the parameters of your work situation, it could be a job description, it could be company policies, it could be documentation. If someone does something over and over that drives you nuts, usually we just store the incidents in our mind and feed a big ball of resentment. What you could do instead is document. That's a business tool to write down what happened, to describe the effects that it's having on your job to be clear about the costs that it may come, that it may cost the company. So it's taking whatever the situation is and looking, what's the business tool I can apply here? Whether it's, you know, let's say someone's a chronically late person. Well, you could, there may be time policies having at, at your workplace that you could apply to the situation rather than feeling insulted by their tardiness. Okay, thank you. Well, so those are the four steps of unhooking there, and you've zeroed in on 20 of these behaviors that drive you bonkers. So I'd love to get a quick rundown of those if you could give us the cool 30-second-ish version list of all 20. But also, first, actually, I want to hear, you say that often these can even escape detection in the first place. So can you tell us a little bit about the detect side of things? Yeah, so detecting... That's a very good question. What usually happens is we start to feel irritated. We start to get angry. Someone starts to really bother us. And then we get into a whole tailspin, emotional tailspin about what's happening. Detecting requires that I look up from my situation, try to figure out what is going on here. So for example, if there's a a kind of boss that we would call calculating confidant, If someone, and this is the kind of boss that would pull you in and, you know, ask you a lot of personal questions and want, look like they want to get to know all about you and then use that information against you later on down the road. Of course, when that happens, it feels horrible and like betrayal and how could this person do that? But if you actually detect or figure out that I'm working with someone who, for whom this is their style, this is how they operate then it t- it gets you gives you just a little distance so that you aren't just feeling manipulated and poorly treated by this individual so okay. does that make sense understood okay so detected in so doing you would sort of give a label and some distance and you would say okay this is not personal they're not sticking it to me in particular this is just sort of how they operate and i don't like it right exactly and if it's Something like uh, there are bosses who are chronically late, right? So if they're chronically late, 
to detect and understand that this is, again, this is what they do. It's probably what they've done with every employee that they've ever worked with. Then it takes, it just gives you a little modicum, I think, of control that this is what I'm dealing with, not I'm doing something wrong and it's driving me crazy. Okay. Well, can you give us the listing of these 20 bad boss behaviors? Because I'm sure we could talk for hours about them, but I want to hear the quick rundown. Like we got this and this and this, so folks can recognize it in your telling. All right. So I'll just give you the list and then you can see what you think. First of all, we have categories. So the first category is called the game players, head game players. And the top of that list is what we call the chronic critic. Then we have the rule changer, the yeller, and the underminer. Next category are the big shots and the mother superiors. Under that, we have I'm always right, you threaten me, grandiose, and control freak. Next category is called the line crossers. These are the people who have bad boundaries. So the first of those is love struck. Next is the calculating confidant that I mentioned before. The tell all, the person who tells you more than you ever wanted to know about their life. And then the liar, liar. Next category is ambivalent leaders. And this is always interesting, I think. The first is the sacred cow, which I'd be happy to describe in greater length. The checked out boss, also known as the absentee the spineless, and the artful dodger, person you can never find in your hour of need. Then finally, we have what we call delicate circumstances. And that is the junior boss, someone who's younger than you, significantly younger than you, the former colleague, colleague who gets promoted above you, the unconscious discriminator, which is these days a very hot topic, and the persecutor. That's the cast of characters. Okay, well, thank you. I think it's really handy to have a sort of typology in terms of, okay, I recognize that. And we could talk about these 20 in depth, but maybe if you could zero in on maybe one or two or three of these that are both particularly demoralizing for people, as well as super prevalent. So there's both a a high frequency and a high intensity of damage. So let's talk about those three in terms of how we deal with them. Yeah, I would be happy to. I mean, I actually want to start with the sacred cow, Pete, because this is one, what's interesting is this is a boss who will feel so frustrating, but they're often like nice people. You know what I mean? So a sacred cow is someone who's been in their position for a long time. They've climbed up the ladder of the office, whatever it is, the company, whatever it is. They usually are, the people at the top are loyal to this person because they were loyal to them. And they're now in a position where they probably don't have the competence really to do anything significant. So they're, what they want to do is just toe the line, not make any ruffles and just do a basic job, but not cause any problems. And so in this instance, the boss is the sacred cow. And a lot of people would say, Ooh, maybe I don't want to cross them because they've historically been really good to me and... That's right. The sacred cow has friends usually at the top. They're protected in some way. And so what could happen is, let's say you're a very inventive or creative person and you get hired by this person. And as you're getting hired, they're saying to you, we really need innovation in this department, which may be true. 
But then once you get into the position, you experience that you are blocked at every step of the way. Any new ideas, they'll say, we've done that already, it won't work. They'll ignore your best thoughts about how to solve a problem. They will tell you that upper management doesn't want that kind of thing. So they'll do whatever they need to do to sort of put a road stop onto anything you're trying to accomplish. And for people who are real performers and who like to achieve and contribute, this kind of boss is deadly. Yeah. And so the thing with the sacred cow is that you going back to detect and the, the, the four D's, right? Detect, detach, depersonalize, deal. With the sacred cow, you have the first is to detect like, okay, if you find out that someone has been there for many years and they're not going anywhere and you keep pushing up against this person, which is usually what happens when you're working for a sacred cow, you get in power struggles of constantly trying to push your ideas forward. Then you detect you've got, I'm working for a sacred cow. They're not going to be comfortable with change. They're not going to want to do anything innovative. Then the detaching would be, okay, this is not about me. This is about them. And depersonalizing would be to say, all right, so this person is afraid of change, but maybe they need to look good. You know, sacred cow still wants to look good in whatever position they're in. And so then the deal, what can you do, would be to find out, and this is very hard if you've already pushed hard and been rejected and feel resentment, but the deal part would be to find out if there are any projects that the sacred cow is interested in like things that they would love to accomplish if they had the, the ability and get behind those ideas or try to make your ideas their ideas. So if you're willing to make the sacred cow look good, you may actually be able to make progress. Okay, thank you. All right. So that's a handy one then. Can we hear another boss here and how we'd approach it? Yeah. So a commonly occurring and destructive, I would go to the, the very top of the list, which is the chronic critic. And it's funny because we have another version of the chronic critic in working with you is killing me called the pedestal smasher. And these are the bosses who have very high standards for everything. And often when they first bring you on board, they tell you that you're wonderful and that you're finally going to solve their problems and that they really admire your work capacity. Once you start working for this kind of boss, the chronic critic, they then begin to find fault with everything that you do. And so they slowly start to erode your confidence because they can always find the wrong thing. Uh, one client we had who worked for a chronic critic used red highlighter, you know, our underliner, even online with documents to show where the mistakes were. And literally it got to the point where the client was like, you know, would go to meetings with their neck in a brace because it was so hard to deal with this person. So they slowly can erode your confidence and therefore detecting as soon as possible becomes a really important thing when you find out and you can always ask around to see, is this person, has they always been so critical of everyone or is it just me, right? You detect that nothing they don't ever find things good enough because part of what they're doing is trying to keep you below them so that you don't threaten them, right? So you detect that. Then again, detaching, realizing this is not about you. And chances are you're never going to have the experience where they say you did an amazing job. Depersonalizing is, okay, so if that's how this person operates, 
then my job is to continue along and try to create, you know, try to do a good job, but not take their statements personally. And then dealing would be to do your job, to go to other places to get recognition. So you may want to join a task force or go work with another department on a special project or go outside and join a professional association. I mean, nowadays those are all happening in online and meetups and things, but you do something like that to pump up your confidence again so that you can figure out what your next best move will be. Okay. Well, now could you tell us an inspiring story of someone who did just that? They figured out, okay, we got a troubling thing in this behavior, what they did, and then the cool outcomes that unfolded from that. Yes. So actually I can tell you about someone who worked for a sacred cow. And it was actually for a very, it was a prestigious institution, was very excited about the job, got there, and then had pushback for every single thing that he did. He was able to befriend that sacred cow after much frustration along a lot of, you know, hitting walls, able to befriend that sacred cow and found out that that individual, the boss, had a very specific project that she'd always wanted done, but had never had the resources to do. He made it happen. And as a result, their department won an award and he went on to be offered another job with another institution. All right. So there's a good story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I'd also love to zoom in and hear about navigating these tricky situations. Are there any particularly powerful scripts, phrases, questions that you recommend and see are, are helpful over and over again? Yeah. Well, I think that's such a good question. You know, when we wrote in both of our books, when we talk about talking to whoever the individual involved is, we always talk about how important it is to prepare yourself. Like one thing that's valuable, I think actually in knowing, like, let's say, you know, that you're You work for a boss who always has to be right, for example, and there are those bosses. So you don't want to go into the conversation looking to convince them that you're right. You would prepare for that kind of a conversation by thinking, okay, how can I join with this person and their approach, right? So you could say to this individual, you know, I know your opinion is very important to me. And I know that you usually understand things in a way that I don't, but here are my thoughts about doing X, Y, and Z. So you confirm the individual's capabilities. You try to talk to them in a way that makes sense based on how they hear and reason with things. And then you make a concrete suggestion about how you can move forward. Okay, cool. Well, now can you tell us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? My favorite quote may seem odd, but it is by Hoagie Carmichael, jazz musician, and it is slow motion gets you there faster. And I like it especially because in the digital age, we're all constantly running. I certainly am. I'm sure you are as well. And constantly on the go and wanting things to happen quickly. And so I find that quote, slow motion gets you there faster really helpful because it helps me slow down, focus on what needs to happen in the moment and have patience with the process. I think that's one of the biggest challenges in any situation and certainly in a difficult work situation is to be patient with the process. And could you share a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? 
Yes. So one of the studies that we did actually was for our third book, which was Mean Girls at Work. And there we did, we put out a request for any stories that women had about other women who they found difficult to work with. And what we were able to glean was that I would say 40% of the studies or 40% of the stories rather were, what was interesting was they were not about blatantly mean, cruel individuals. They were what we call passively mean situations where people were excluded, where uh, they were taken out of maybe an email link, where they were not asked to join, you know, an event, a work event, or even a social event, where they were contradicted at a meeting, but in a a nice way, because that's what passive aggressive looks like. And so we found that really interesting that 40% of the women who had difficult relationships with other women, it was more of a passive aggressive experience. And it really informed a lot of what we wrote about in the book, because women do a thing called tending and befriending. You know, we, we believe we need to be nice to each other. And yet what happens in the workplace, because we're not that comfortable with direct competition, is that people end up tending, acting friendly, and then doing subversive things. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? So my favorite book is Eckhart Tolle, Towards a New Earth. Okay. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job. So I practice what we preach. So I will say that I do on a daily basis. I, uh, every morning I exercise and I write a list of what are my three top priorities. And at the end of every day, I also exercise again and I practice gratitude. And I know that those things don't sound like business tools per se, but those set the tone for the rest of my day. And is there a particular nugget that you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks, readers, listeners, they quote it back to you over and over again? Yes, there are two. And one is... (laughs) So I'm a psychotherapist by training. So one of the things that I will tell people is that if you're feeling hysterical, it's usually historical. Now, I did not make that up, but it is such a truism that whenever I say it, people are like, oh my God, that's so true. Because, you know, it's not like, it's not the person showing up late for a meeting. It's probably the 35 times they showed up late and the time they were late on a deadline and the time, you know, whatever. So it's, and that's a valuable statement just in the sense that, again, going back to the things we were talking about, unhooking, detaching, You have to calm yourself down so that you respond in a right-sized way to whatever the situation may be. All right. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? I would point them to our website, ksquaredenterprises.com. That's ksquaredenterprises.com. And also to our podcast, which is My Crazy Office. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yes. uh, My final challenge, actually my call to action is to whatever your situation, if there is someone who is really bothering you, there are two things that you can do. One is that you need to stop and see whether you are in a power struggle with this person. 
because power struggles, you will not win. The second thing is you need to consider whether you're expecting this person to behave exactly the same way you do. So it's always important to examine your expectations. We often get furious at people who do things that you say, I would never do that. And yet the most important thing for figuring out how to work with people is to understand that each person is operating from a different set of expectations and behaviors. Well, Catherine, this has been a real treat. I wish you much luck and success and hope that working with people is working for you. (laughs) Thank you. And talking with you has been lovely for me. I really love Catherine's four Ds there. Detect, detach, depersonalize, and deal. Because it's quite common that when you're in the grips of the emotional situation... You're not thinking any of these things, (laughs) Uh, but with you systematically, planfully note, okay, I'm feeling something about this situation. Let's work through it. All right. What is it about my boss that's driving me crazy? Note, it isn't me, just kind of how they are. Understand what's causing the boss's behavior and then create a plan. All right. Given this is how it is, what am I going to do about it? Great stuff. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP630. I hope you push subscribe and I look forward to catching you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 